Paul, what's the episode number? It's one after last week's. Fuck's sake, Paul, you've got one job. You're just here to catalog <laughs> what the episode numbers are. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. That's it, the season's done. We know what the wildcard weekend looks like, but we've got some things that we need to talk about before we get to that. Joining me is most of the team, pretty much everybody apart from Charles Partison, believe it or not, who is instead uh, neck deep in a raclette up an alp. So, you know, what can you say other than that? I don't want to, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but um, currently uh, there is the European Eugenics Conference taking place in an Alpen region of Europe at the moment. And Charles does have some interesting views. Listeners can put two and two together. <laughs> Indeed they can. So there'll be some Packers chat because we'll get to that. But before we get to that, we need to talk about the games as they happened in order because the whole schedule of events fell like a, a pack of cards. I think that for the banter point of view, there was a few things that we hoped might happen, and actually none of them really came to pass. The only real banter moment was the Jacksonville Jags absolutely crapping the bed, uh, losing to the Tennessee Titans, and single-handedly taking themselves out of postseason contention. The early games, not a lot to get excited about, but that obviously the big headline, Paul, in Jacksonville. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars we've kind of come to expect, right? They're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint. The last two throws were incredible. I mean, they, they were just downright awful. And I'm not sure of some of the play calling earlier in the game, but when your quarterback doesn't look like he's convinced either with a play call or he can execute it, there's a problem somewhere along the line. That team is technically too good to be sitting at home. He he probably shouldn't have been playing. Like, at the, and, and in our Patreon group, someone was like, well, start CJ Beathard instead. Like, they would have still been better off with an injured Trevor Lawrence than they would um, a uh, healthy CJ Beathard. But Lawrence hasn't been healthy for a good part of the season now. Also, I think on those two throws, I, I thought the same thing at first and I watched them again. The first one, I think, is deliberate. I think it's not, like, I think the throw isn't open. The cornerback's there, so it's like a, what's called like a kill throw. Um, so rather than, like, forcing the ball there, he's just tried, it's like a deliberate incompletion. But the second one was just, not a guy who's healthy, which is a shame. Is that also your gamer tag, Gordon? Hill throw two for two. <laughs> I'm going to beat you, Dusty Kids, on Mud Warfare. <laughs> now, I've done a disservice, and Johnny Bailey's going to be screaming at his um, iPod shuffle because I've skipped the Saturday games, which is what he cared about. Um, obviously, the Jags blew it, but the Texans didn't. Uh, and great for the Texans to win the division. What a first season for uh, D'Amico Ryans and your good pal Bobby Slowick. Yes, my internet appears to have died an absolute death here, though, so I don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. Yep. Okay, good. Um, yeah, tremendous season. CJ Stroud's been very good. Now I've gone, haven't I? No, you're back. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this is great internet content. So, fine. Um Ultimately, the Texans get it done. It wasn't the most entertaining game, but before that, we were served up something even worse as the Steelers uh, continued their dominance over the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 
Uh, I believe that Mason Rudolph will come out and claim ownership of Baltimore at some point next season if he beats you again. I, Is that I, how that goes? I don't know quite how I'm going to get past uh, the, the Steelers going 2-0 against the Ravens this year, especially the second one coming in Baltimore uh, when the Ravens were... Yeah, starting Tyler Huntley just because they took the Steelers so seriously that they knew they had to win that game. Uh, yeah, that's no, uh, it's tough. I think what was um, interesting in, in the other game was that it was just inches away from possibly Indi- uh, Indianapolis doing something with the Gardner Minshew throw right at the end, just hitting off the running back's hands. And you could argue the running back should have caught it. You could argue... Maybe Minshew's placement should have been a, a bit better, but it, it came down to that. Effectively, you've got 17 games in the, the season, all the hard work you put in, and it's just the a last gasp kind of throw of the ball. It was, a mean, it was, it was it a was a throw, but it was fingertips, right? It really was fingertips away from being a different outcome. Yeah, but I don't blame the running back. I, yeah, you could argue that he should have caught it, but I mean, Minshew wasn't under a great deal of pressure, and his placement of that pass was absolutely horrific uh in, in such of the close closeness of the games you know they've done well they've they've had a good season they've been better than they thought you know richardson will still come in at quarterback next season i don't think there's any doubt about that Minshew might attract interest elsewhere because he's done all right as a backup so it'd be interesting to see where he goes the texans have been more fun to watch right as well and although they're a bit banged up we want to see entertaining teams in the postseason. And I think, Jamie, out of that division, a banged-up Trevor Lawrence, you know, the the Colts with Gardner Minshew, the Titans were never going to be there. Actually, you would pick the Texans from a neutral point of view because they're worth watching. Entertainment and the sense of surprise as well. There was a lot of guys there that you didn't expect to come up, and they've just been, just been brilliantly coached, and it's no... Surprise that uh, the clamours for D'Amico Ryan to, 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 to win coach of the year after what he's been able to do with them. Um, guys like Nico Collins turning into a proper star wide out under a rookie quarterback. And it's, it's exceptional. It's a great story. Um, and great to see them go through. So that obviously sorted out most of what was going on in the early games. The only other thing of note, I guess, is let's touch on the fact that the Bengals beat the Browns, meaning that every single team in the AFC North uh, has a winning record. This is like the opposite season to what the NFC East had a couple of years ago. But It's the opposite season to every year of the NFC South for the last decade. (laughs) (laughs) But um, obviously this is an outcome that's made possible because of the additional game, or more possible. It was possible before, but... Uh, still, an impressive feat, and you got to say the Bengals, given the injury to Burrow, the season that they've had is impressive, right? There's a lot of good pieces there. There's obviously some good coaching. They'll be right back in the mix next year as well, and they'll play a fourth place schedule. So fourth place schedule, Joe Burrow back. They do. So they've got a bit of a tricky off season because there's T Higgins heading for free agency, DJ Reader and their defensive line heading for free agency. There's the Jamar Chase contract thing coming up. So it's not plain sailing, but I, I think I said this last week, like they, the fact that they've played as well as they have without Joe Burrow is probably the strongest uh, endorsement of Zach Taylor that they've had even including going to the Super Bowl when they did. Like, I think that very much was viewed as, okay, they've got a good quarterback, he's very good, and that's why they've gone far. 
they didn't have him this year and they were still able to be a borderline playoff team. So I, I think they'll be a very good team again next year. Speaking of the NFC South, it obviously came right down to the wire. The Buccaneers got a 9-0 victory over the Panthers. Uh, didn't really set the heather alight, did what they needed to do. The Saints-Falcons, though, has been the one that's drawn all the stories because of the finish. So, Mr. Mitchell, this is your opportunity. The soapbox has been presented uh, before you. Clamber upon and let us hear tales of woe in New Orleans and who you want to leave and who you hope doesn't leave. Just cycle back to that first game for a moment. I mean, how can Shark not score the touchdown? I mean, that was ridiculous, you know, to drop the ball effectively being an arse. Um, and that might have led to some interest across the game. I mean, the Bucks were no great shakes in that game whatsoever. But I, I'd like to give credit to the Bucks, the only NFC team to reach the playoffs in the last four years consecutively are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So so good on them from that point of view. The Panthers are just a dumpster fire. It'll be interesting to see. I think they've let their GM go as well. So that's going to be fun. Regarding the wonderful New Orleans Saints, um, the most ball bag thing I've seen in a long time is to score a touchdown taking a victory formation. That is horrible. I don't care who it is, who they're playing. That's horrible. If you're going to run it, I mean, it's bad enough that the Honey Badger couldn't be arsed getting in the end zone on his own and was fannying around. If you are going to go on that play, be a man and set up for a run. That is a horrible thing to see. Truly horrible. Then the coach decides not to back his team and couldn't apologise quickly enough with Smith coming charging at him. He should have told Smith to go and do one and stood up for his team. Uh, he couldn't wait to get to the podium to apologise. Um, I think, and, and Gordon and Jamie, it'd be interesting to see what you guys think. I think it shows a lack Oh, of... no, interesting to see what I think, Paul. Or me, we're just cut out. Oh, right. no, <laughs> I, you. I am an expert on the coach's opinions. I was just picking on two, two of the more knowledgeable people. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. I, I just think it's horrendous that you basically tell your coach you can sod off we're going to do what we like in the huddle. To give a touchdown to a guy who in his previous 105 carries hadn't managed to get into the end zone. Averaging 2.9 yards per carry, they wanted to give Jamal Williams a touchdown. I mean, in simple terms, fuck off. It's <laughs> utterly horrific. And they should be ashamed of themselves. I, and I think it, it does does come down to the fact that I think Dennis Allen didn't stand up for his team where he should have done. He's got no control over that team either. They didn't show him any respect. Now, I'm not going as far as it. Is it Shannon Sharp who says that Jameis Winston should be sacked? Uh, I'm not going quite that far. It was a horrible play, horrible move, hideous all round. Okay, it was against the Falcons. You could have a laugh with that. I don't think so. Didn't find it particularly funny. At that moment, Dennis Allen's head's clearly spinning because he's got no idea how to react and then he's got Arthur Smith charging towards him like a terrifying rhino and he's, 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 he has he's, he's shut the bed he's, and he's gone oh it was he, he said oh it's unacceptable and he's come and the, and the fact that he's gone like I mean it's one of the, the fastest turnarounds for a the post-game podium I've ever seen for him to, to come out and start apologising right away as well it doesn't speak to a terribly together organization there and that he is like right my you know build of adrenaline reaction here is chuck them under the bus that that'll sort it out 
So the thing is, though, like they they have like they've chucked him under the bus, right? Because it wasn't it was called as a it was called as a take a knee, and then the players have just gone. So Jamal Williams has asked, "Can I get a touchdown?" Dennis Allen said no, and the players have went, "Well, come on, let's just <laughs> let's just run here for a touchdown." But like all the players are back in Jameis, so it's and and the Saints' decision in this when their head coach has been so bad that Paul went on a foul mouth rant on WhatsApp about how meek he looked at the end of the game, uh, and the players are all like speaking out in favor of the backup quarterback who reversed a call to take a knee and handed it to a running back for a touchdown. The Saints' decision is let's run it back, let's do it again in twenty twenty four. <laughs> it's, it's utterly crazy, isn't it? If they decided to ignore him and lined up for a conventional running play, yeah, fair enough, go for it. But, I mean, Williams has been shocking this year as a running back. He's not been able to be relied upon. So in your last carry in the last game of the season, you finally get a touchdown. Oh, big wows. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just awful. And, and, Jamie, your point, I mean, he could not get to that podium quickly enough. Which, which was horrendous. And with Smith coming towards you, if you look at the sheer number of people there, what was the worst thing that was going to happen if he responded in kind to Smith and told Smith to go and shove himself? If Smith had even dared swing at him, there would have been people in so between them before anything could have happened. That's the only part of it, though, that I actually kind of agree with, is the fact that, and even the podium thing. So the, the players... Are, the players deciding to get the touchdown for Jamal Williams was fine. Like the way they did it was it was shit house. Uh, but Dennis Allen at the end of the game has been put in a position whereby he's told his team to take a knee. They've not. They've done it in a really shit way. Arthur Smith then comes flying over, losing his rag. Dennis Allen goes, "Yeah, no, sorry. Like I was that was unacceptable. Sorry." And then he goes to the podium and he apologizes. Like. He actually has done the professional thing throughout all of that, and he still gets fucking roasted for it. Quite <laughs> right, to it, show a little bit of fight. Come I on, think, I think it's it tough. It should be like in uh, professional baseball when a a pitcher hits a a batter, and the pitcher kind of either taps his cap or he kind of just stands there, and the batter knows if that was intentional or not. There doesn't need to be any verbal communication. So they should have that in, in the NFL as well, away from a coach to kind of go, sorry, I, that, that's not meant to be uh, showing you up or whatever, that was an accident. Because sometimes players can do that. They, 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 running down the clock, they get excited, and they run the ball in the end zone, I don't say by mistake, but they get excited. Um, and you can... You can understand how they want to get somebody like Williams a touchdown because Williams seems to be one of the kind of guys all players seem to kind of um, gather around and seem as a, a good influence. I'll but, interrupt you just for a second, Arian, and say if they're so concerned about you know Williams getting a touchdown, why does he not actually not be a ball bag and get one when it actually matters? It's, well, it's horrible. I mean, another question is, is there a contract incentive for Williams to score a touchdown, does he get X amount of money if he scores? We don't I know the Saints. I know the Saints are shit, Ian. But for to having a contract that running back is to score one touchdown over the course of a season is bad, even for us. Well, the, the, it's usually um, a, a pyramid. They'll have a, a variety of kind of incentives in there. But the the fundamental issue in the NFL is that what the what the head coach says goes. There's yeah. there's no question of it, and the fact that the players went against his wishes, he would have been, Alan would have been absolutely human. And I think the fact that we, you didn't, so the first reaction 
that Alan Getz is um, the Atlanta head coach, Arthur Smith's just storming straight at him. And Alan's going to be angry at this point as well. So we're, you're actually surprised it's not straight into fisticuffs between the two of them. Uh, Alan's actually showing a bit of reserve, but it looks like he's cowering to Smith. He's not necessarily doing that, but it looks that way. So if you're a player, do you then buy into Alan? Do you buy into Alan for throwing the players under the bus? Apparently. Um, so the Saints may have to either clean house of the kind of leadership group of the players in, the, in that squad, or they're going to have to kind of posthumously affect what they're going to do with their coaching. It's it's definitely got uh, the tongues wagging. Ultimately, they don't need to worry about facing Arthur, Arthur Smith next season, though, because he is away. I think that was as quickly as Alan got to the podium. Um, Arthur Smith was given his P forty five. So can I just point so, out, by the way, I am I am frankly disgusted that in the Patreon chat when I dropped in, his pink slip will be getting FedEx to him right now. Nobody even reacted. His dad like founded FedEx or his dad runs FedEx or nobody nobody thought that was good patter. It's I too highbrow for the, our Patreons. It's too yeah, highbrow, well, Gordon. They sacked him at twelve oh two. I argued they should have sacked him at seven ten, because that's what he'd done for the last three seasons. Get him out of the building. <laughs> and, and and I'm trying I'm trying to say I think it was the USA Today that tried to defend Dennis Allen by saying he faced up to Arthur Smith. In what universe did he face up to him? I mean, geez, I, I, I was just checking to see if it was his brother that writes for the USA Today. It's fucking unbelievable. What's that? the USA Today? Is that like the Facebook? That's the, that's the, new, that's the newspaper, you ignorant. I'm pretty sure it's just called USA Today. That's what I said. From the um, USA Today. Yeah. What is it they called it? Alan did not back down. On what planet did he not back down? There must be a multiverse somewhere. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, indeed. Um, so that is obviously the NFC South going uh, no, to be tasty not, uh, for the want, next few years. Okay. I want a final word. Right. So the, the Panthers sacked their coach. Okay, the Falcons sacked their coach. We had the easiest schedule that we could possibly dream of, and we don't win the division. Oh, yeah, the winning Alan record. Should, Alan should be sacked. There's, there's no doubt about it. He should be out in his ear. I, well, I don't think any coach with a winning record will be sacked, right? Should be. It's all about expectation. He should have been. That's that was a. 12, <laughs> the expectation was supposed to go nine and eight. Was it? No, did they not win four no. out of the last five games? Have they been impressive all, the whole season? No. No, but division, the Buffalo Bills haven't been was, impressive all season and they're division, the number two division, division title or nothing. Given the schedule, given but, the mess that the other franchises are if, in. If, 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 Tampa, if Tampa Bay lose that game yesterday, 9-8 wins the division. So does he get to stay at that point? But that's the fickleness of sport, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you a better coach. It's not, it's not, coach. It's not sport that's been fickle. It's you. Oh, quite right to be fickle. He should be out in his arse. <laughs> um, so we move on from the early games though and we get into the late games and the other things that were on the line here predominantly NFC based 
the NFC East, let's go there because we've got our head-to-head went Ian's Eagles, uh, Ion Eagles, if we're doing it right, uh, and Jamie Borthwick's Giants. And ultimately, it was a doing. Let's be honest. The, The Giants played very, very well. The Eagles didn't play well. Ultimately, I don't. I haven't seen any reports on the injuries to Hearts and Brown, whether they're likely to be significant enough that either will miss time. Um, but I guess, first of all, Jamie, how nice was it to finish on a high? And then Ian will come and we'll get your input as to how worried this makes you for the postseason. Yeah, of course it was very nice. And when you go into the, uh, the day thinking, well, we've got, we can either pick fourth, fifth or sixth in the draft next year. But if it's only sliding down to sixth and you get to beat the Eagles, then you, you take that every single day of the week. And it was nice after the way they played, particularly in the second half um, at the link as well, because I, I thought they got pretty close to them. And so just being able to get a big division win over them was was lovely. Um, but the, the Eagles are clearly struggling. They came in with a lot of offensive players out and then you know seeing AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts get hurt within a few plays of each other you started to think this is possible it's just it's been nice to watch the Giants actually put some plays together on offense they certainly didn't in the second half it was like oh one half that's plenty uh, <laughs> um, but yeah just a, a, a nice way to to finish well, it's been a crappy season um, and it has been a crappy Monday with the news that Wink Martindale's um, handed in his resignation. Well, what's the deal there? Do him and, him and Dable just don't like each other? Is that the... Yeah, yeah. basically they don't like each other. And it kind of flared a little bit last season as well, but it flared significantly this season because basically what was happening on Wink's watch was the only part of the organisation that was working. And questions were being asked of Dable, and he didn't like that. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm going on, on on Giants beats writers and what they've been saying over the last maybe hour and a half, kind of leading up to this official announcement. And I feel like Wink wanted to be sacked. He wanted this yeah. situation to be taken away from him, um, and it's ended up being almost sort of constructive dismissally because they got rid of him. Uh, couple of his coaches, linebacker coaches, I think, um, who he was very close with. And it basically put him in a position where it was absolutely untenable now. Um, and he's a guy who's actually given the Giants an identity over the last year where there was no discernible identity in any other part of their play. So um, it's a really difficult hire because I don't think you can hire like for like in terms of what Wink Martindale brings to a defence. If, if, uh, if there's one... Someone else is getting an exceptionally good defensive coordinator. Or if head the... coach. Like, if... is he going to a head coach? No, he's not going to a head coaching job in the NFL. No way. I'd, well, I'd be stunned. Uh, uh, the Silver lining for you, the last team who Wink Martindale resigned or didn't sign a contract extension from whereby, at that point, the fan base didn't love the fact that he just blitzed on every single down and sent as many people as possible. They replaced him with a college coach and turns out he's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. So there you go. Maybe that'll happen. Thanks, Gordon. Uh, and is you're not going to lose said defensive coordinator from college as well? 
Uh, probably, yeah. I would, yeah. I would assume someone picks up Mike McDonald this year. Um, yeah. So what happens. You hire good coaches, they get hired as head coaches. They get poached. They get poached. Ian, over to you. How concerned are you about the Eagles at the moment? I feel sorry um, for Jamie because it's like I'm about to sneak into his bedroom when he's age six on Christmas Eve to tell him that Santa doesn't exist or, in fact, that that ointment... I am really fucking glad that that's where that... Because we've cut we've cut an awful lot of things you've said in this podcast before, but I thought there was going to need to be like an intervention. God, it's an unwritten rule of the NFL that you don't try and score when in a victory formation, and it's an unwritten rule in this podcast that you don't interrupt one of my comical monologues. <laughs> so where were we? Right. So I can't use that joke about him. Okay. Uh, I feel sorry for Jamie. It feels like um, I'm going to have to tell him that that. Uh, ointment that he purchased from the back pages of an adult magazine won't make his penis any bigger no matter how many times he applies it because it was like he was trying to boast saying he beat me at, I don't know being at a tall competition and I say I'm incredibly sorry but I've swapped in Paul instead he represented me it's a, a pirate victory if anything um, the Eagles played, it was like, basically it was like a the, a pre-season game for the Eagles. They played uh, one quarter with starters and thought, now nah, you know what, this is not a good idea. And took everybody off. And while well, the Giants did play well, it wasn't, wasn't like a full-strength Eagles side that they were playing against. It doesn't matter, though. If they were playing a full-strength Eagles side, they probably would have beat them anyway. Um, but the I said last week in the podcast... Do the Eagles just say, right, we assume the Cowboys are going to beat the Redskins and just rest their starters, just don't play anybody against the Giants? Um, and it turns out, as usual, I was absolutely right. Um, the quarterback dislocates his middle finger. The star wide receiver looks like he's got a torn MCL. Uh, the start safety's got a torn ACL. Um, the starting right guard's got just what's classified as an eye injury. Um, you can imagine how gory that may or may not be. So the Eagles are going into the playoffs incredibly banged up. And if I, I was any of the other NFC teams, they're the team I would probably want to face. Ironically, the other team I probably would want to face is Tampa Bay. And unfairly to the other teams in the NFC, the Eagles and Tampa are having to play each other. So effectively, a good team will have to go out whilst either the Eagles or the, the Bucks go through to the, the next round, which seems a bit uh, harsh. Also, the fact that they're giving the Eagles and the Bucks an extra day's rest just to make sure they, both of them are incredibly awful when they play each other up to full maximum potential. <laughs> I'm just going to rush to the podium now to apologise to Ian for breaking the unwritten rule and interrupting his... <laughs> Also, oh, come on, Gordon. Show show a bit of spine about it. Come on. Also, step Ian, up. Ian, just just to make, I think there's a slight caveat to the point you made about the Eagles following your uh, lead and you know rest and starters in that game. And they they waited until they were being blown out by the Giants to rest starters. Like that no, game they, was... they, were, they were watching the um, the Cowboys Redskins score and uh, with the Redskins taking the lead. I actually think he was considering resting the starters, but he saw the Redskins take the lead and he kept them out for a bit longer. 
You've called and... them, you've called them their like old team name now like eight times. Yeah, I know. They were, they were, they were, they it was an old replay from 1996. <laughs> that's right. That's, the, the Eagles' problem is one, they weren't focusing on their own game, and two, the other game they were focusing on was actually from 10 years ago. I'm sorry, I will not brush their racism under the carpet. They will be known as a racist that, name that from the film. Well. From the film Speed, where they play in an old, an old video on the screen, the Giants had just loaded up a VHS of a, a game from the mid nineties. They're going, "Aye, what, what's this lad?" <laughs> um, so there you go, done and dusted. The Cowboys did what they needed to do. Uh, impressive. They definitely go into the postseason with a lot of wind in their sails. There'll be a lot of people backing them. Uh, obviously, it's been a good. Many no, there's a not, year. Cameron. Let's be honest. Everybody's back in the 49ers, and you're just such a shite twat that you would admit it. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people back in the Niners. No, everybody's back in the Niners. They've got the strongest squad in the NFL. They've got an extra week to rest. They've got home field advantage through the entire the, the, the literal, the the literal overwhelming favorite. favorites. Overwhelming favorites for the Super Bowl. So, that's I will accept that if Gordon also accepts that on the AFC side and we can yes. skip along that merry the, road together. The the Ravens are. I'm not gonna pick them to win, but the Ravens are the favourites to go to the Super Bowl in yeah, the AFC. Fine. And I See, I, 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 I can't believe the Cowboys were the favourites. I just said there's a lot of wind in their sails. There's gonna be a lot of people fancy them, make their first championship game in a very long time. It's been a while. I'm... I can't believe we're talking about the games that have happened and the potential that might come next week and the injuries when another podcast sponsored by a betting company this week decided to ask the question, who is the most iconic franchise? I mean, we're just talking about current things and things that people might be interested in, and they're talking absolute <laughs> pesh. I love, I love that Paul just hate listens and hate watches. There's so much content out there. Like, he just listens to stuff to hate it. I've got no idea what podcast well, is know. even no, in I the firing line here. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know other podcasts existed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently, I, I wasn't going to mention the name of the podcast because it's a betting one, and I didn't want to upset you, Cameron. So. Okay, that's right. No, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, let's not. Um... <laughs> but it's, not, it's good to know that they've got high production values when all of this exciting stuff's going on they're worried about who is the most iconic franchise that's finger on the pulse stuff we we just don't have those production values as, as opposed to don't. us who've got my internet cutting out Jamie dialing in from a remote location somewhere on his phone and Cameron sitting cross-legged in his living room with a storage heater in the background <laughs> can, I just, can I just jump in with an extra point I know I've already um been unkind to Jamie, and I don't apologise for that, but I will apologise for this. I'm going to have to be unkind for you again, Jamie. I think there's three outstanding quarterback uh, candidates in the upcoming draft, and I think they are going to go one, two, three. So I think if the Giants want a piece of that action, they're going to have to trade up. So by losing against the Eagles, they may have taken them out of elite quarterback standards and into, is this guy going to be a backup long run? I think they're I think they're gonna be quite accepting of that now. I think they know that the, the chance that a QB's gone this year. I I think this is a decent enough class though that you could do the Eagles thing and mm-hmm. go with Daniel Jones, but take like take JJ McCarthy from Michigan in the second round, something like that. There They've there's got options. Second there. round picks this year. Yeah. Um yeah. I, 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 I think they might be tempted to, to jump up to get um I I just don't know that anyone. We're we're not in the draft chat now, but I think they might be tempted to 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 jump up. Yeah, I think Ian's right though. I think quarterbacks go 
one, two, three. Yeah. So the other things that needed to get settled then, um, the NFC North, the Packers-Bears was a game that excited us all on this podcast in the hope that the Bears might eliminate the Packers from the postseason. We know that Charles has claimed this season a success in regards, but it would have just been uh, great from a content point of view. However, it wasn't to be. And they, they eased past the Bears, really. Jordan Love showed, again, elements of highly capable and elements of Jesus, what are you doing? Um, but ultimately the Packers go on and they travel to Dallas. Good, good team. Good win. Charles is sitting. We apres ski just now, polishing his wee notes to come back in this podcast and anything we possibly said that suggests that Jordan Love isn't amazing will be cast up against us. Just to add further colour, he's actually sitting beside a portrait of Joseph Bengals uh, while sipping a dry sherry. <laughs> on a on a on a serious note, apart from my uh, facetious mocking of Charles, there, Jordan Love has been really good over the second half of the season. Fun fun quarterback to watch. Much improved. Doing well the last couple of drafts. Guys who are, who are really impacting, um, and it's kind of spread around as well. There's doesn't seem to be any over-reliance on uh, a particular part of their, their team. So, fair play, Charles, fair play. A lot of exciting receivers, absolutely. There is signs of um, positivity definitely there. I still think there's a lot to be questioned. Uh, again, a, a comment cast out in our Patreons was that we'd been talking rubbish for the last three years, which I take protest to. I think every comment we made up until the point he played, highlighting that he wasn't playing, was absolutely valid. But um, c'est la vie. Let's see what they do. Uh, and you know what? I wonder whether uh, McCarthy might have dreaded being drawn against his former team and whether that's actually one he'd be worried about um, in Dallas. Time will tell. We will turn our attention to the games in a moment. Other than that, anything else that's worth talking about before we move on to the late game? Uh, Carson Wentz being told to just run the ball up the gut about 40 times was <laughs> my favourite part of the weekend. Yep. Um, <laughs> and it seemed to it seemed to work. Uh, Sean, McVe- Sean McVay walking out like Vince McMahon at the end, uh, having finally beaten the Niners in the regular season, was a uh, fine crack on. Um, I was a bit worried about seeing Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk out there early doors. I was like, why are we doing that? Let's not. But um, yes, I'll be honest, like watching Red Zone, you saw nothing off that game. You saw a little bit of the Seahawks and the Cardinals. But you saw nothing off that Niners game uh, whatsoever, and oh, I'm oh, not oh, particularly Pukunakua. sad about it. Oh yeah, Pukunakua, obviously. Yeah, we need to touch on that. Matter of Pukunakua smashing several records. Yes, and what brilliant to see as well. Like absolutely brilliant to see. He's he's a great player. I'm. It's one of those ones as a Niners fan. Like I look at the Rams and I look at the Kua and I look at Cooper Cup, and I just think they're absolutely class. Uh, I'm very jealous of those players being at LA. I'm fine. We're lucky with our receivers, but they're both great players who are very likable. And I think the the scenes where I'm celebrating with his family, really nice to see, but yeah, multiple records. The, the greatest rookie wide receiver of all time. I think we can call him. Stats-wise, I don't know if it's... Is it stats-wise or is it stats-adjusted? 
Mm. If it's stats adjusted, was anyone close in the... So I think he is... Did he not miss a game as well, though? Did he miss a game, but... He, uh, he was injured. Season? I don't know. He was banged up during the season. Anyway, it was a, it was a very, very good season. We've had a lot of good seasons lately. The Jamar Chase season, Jalen Waddle season. I, I just love the fact that the guy was beaten for one of the records, I think it was. It's like a guy in the 60s, like a rookie receiver in the 60s. had like over 100 catches or something like that. Um, but yes, congratulations to Puka Nakua. Uh, does Nakua... Is he the favourite for Rookie of the Year now, or does Stroud it's get Stroud. into that conversation because he's a quarterback? It's Stroud because he's a quarterback. Like, yeah. it's not, like, if Stroud had been okay, then Nakua probably wins it, but Stroud has been... Oh, I, it's... it's um, Sorry. It's a... Yeah, his his, uh, his, receiver, his uh, rookie receiver records look terrible compared to Bill, Gro- Bill Grover of 1960. Exactly. Bill Grover. <laughs> Put some respect on Grover's name. Well, <laughs> his, his, name's, his name's Bill Groman, so... Groman, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I really, I really, I really need to... On that name. <laughs> I will put some respect in his name. I'm going to go up to the podium and apologise for getting his name wrong. Uh, oh. I will I will brush up on my rookie receivers from the 60s knowledge. Uh, You've spent a considerable amount of time at this podium so far. So, yeah, let's see what else we can get you up I've there spent, for. It's because I've spent the entire weekend just roasting anyone at any opportunity. <laughs> to, to put it into perspective, though, I mean, he's ahead of players like Randy Moss and Adele Beckham, Terry Glenn, and um, Jerry Rice. I mean, it is impressive what he did. It's just um, uh, recent. It's not recentism. Was it? Was it when you only recency bias? Recency bias. Yeah, it's it's that effectively. But um, okay. The late game. Then obviously the the Bills were into the postseason. The they still had to go to Miami and win. It was a banged up Miami, but they did what they needed to do. Um, our again, our Patreon channel has some very vocal Bills fans in there, uh, and they were itching for our embargo to end because we've got a little embargo for the late games until noon, and um, straight in they came. They're delighted to win the division, and I think that a lot's been said over the Bills. Let's be honest, right? They have been at times this season tremendous. They have been at times this season. Uh, very disappointing uh, and sometimes beating themselves you know going all the way back to opening week uh, losing that game you know they didn't start the season well but ultimately they've done what they needed to do they've won the division four times in a row they couldn't beat Brady no matter how many times they tried but since Brady's gone they've been unbeatable and that that streak continues the the chat in the Patreons is about Josh Allen being MVP and whether or not he should be so doesn't um, matter if he should be or not. He's not going to be. No, he's probably not <laughs> going to be. <laughs> yeah, I think we should go in depth on this with a simple answer. No, he's not, and move on to something a I, lot more interesting. I also like. I I think he's had a really good season, and if not for some of the turnovers, he probably is the MVP. But if you want to look at the one flaw in Josh Allen's game that has persisted since he's been a rookie, it's that at times he has the Brett Favre instinct of. He just goes like full Leroy Jenkins. Um, so the game last night is fourth, fourth and two, and 
uh, the flat's open. There's like an easy three-yard pass that picks up the first down. The lane's also open for him to run, and he can pick up the first down. Instead, he just heaves the ball while being hit in the end zone and gets picked off. And at the time, most of the people are like, oh, it's not really a big deal. It's, four, it's fourth down, so you know it's just an arm punt, basically. They actually gain 12 yards on the interception as opposed to a turnover on downs. But it just ignores the fact that the easy pass was there. And I think the Bills, I, I, if I make a prediction today, it's that the Bills go to the Super Bowl at the AFC. But if they're, if the Bills don't go to the Super Bowl, I would bet a decent chunk of money that it's because at a pivotal moment, moment in the game, on a fourth down or with a game on the line, Josh Allen passes up a three-yard pass when it's there to keep the drive going and makes a mistake. Cool. <laughs> Nobody's got anything to add to that. Um we well, should no, say, I just, I, I just wanted to to see how long it would take you to come back. And I think you look at it. I mean, the Bills. You could argue that they got lucky. The turnovers were horrendous. Um, so they get the kick return, which was great. They get a fantastic catch in the end zone off the deflected pass. Bills could easily have lost that game. Arguably, should have lost that game, and it would have been because of Josh Allen. And he is a brilliant player. Love watching him. It's absolutely fantastic. But. As Gordon outlined, the decision-making at the crucial points is what separates you from winning a Super Bowl from not getting there. And, and, and it's a be, small margin. To, in his defence, though, those mistakes were at the start of the game, right? The the fourth and two was in the first quarter. And actually, the final three, four drives of that game, he was brilliant. The When they were running out the clock and he had the scramble on, and I don't know what down it was, but it was more than 10 yards, I'm sure. And he dragged the Dolphins players like, five six yards like i'm currently in the middle of and am i am i winding up jason hoffman in the patreon chat maybe um because he's talking about josh allen's rushing ability and how it makes an alien makes him an alien and i'm pointing out that lamar jackson actually has better rushing stats this season but josh allen as a runner is like cam newton-esque yeah. it's not just that he's big and fast it's also that he's really powerful as well he well, is like that single season cam newton over a longer period of time like is what it feels like. Well, here's here's the question where it comes down to um do they have an award for shape laced ankles in the NFL? No. Because it, it's not gonna help you win the Super Bowl, is it? It doesn't matter. And it's the same with the MVP. It doesn't matter. It's it's like sticking lipstick in a pig. I mean, yes, Cameron, you'll still want to kiss it. But <laughs> Nobody, I'd get some pigs without lipstick, I'll be it, perfectly it, it honest. It doesn't matter. Don't don't waste your time arguing about it. Somebody thinks that this guy's better than that guy. Just move on with your day. And indeed we will. We will move on with our day because we need to pick our team of the week. Uh, this is which, everyone's favourite exactly, segment. Which just goes exactly what I'm just saying. <laughs> um, we, okay, we, have to, we have to choose a running back with a shapeless ankles in. And he goes in team of the week. Does anybody have an opening gambit then for our quarterback this week? Is there any quarterback? Do we? Really stay down? Uh, hang on. Do we not need to choose Belter though? We choose oh Belter? yeah, yeah. We we probably should choose our Belter. So then, I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate Belter, and I hope I get some back in here. I am gonna nominate Dennis Allen because of the professionalism he showed. <laughs> Uh, after the victory formation fake run touchdown by Jamal Williams, uh, Arthur Smith was obviously very upset, knew he was going to be fired, absolutely heated, tore him a new one, and Dennis Allen sucked it up, uh, 
you know, stood up to him and apologized and then went and apologized a second time. And I think that type of apology is why he is still that type of professionalism is why he is still in a job today and will be throughout the 2024 season for the Saints. So hopefully, Ian, Cameron and Jamie, you will back me in saying that Dennis Allen is the belter of the week. I thought oh, Dennis, no, no, Dennis no. Allen was a patriot. He showed everybody <laughs> what it means to represent being an American. I myself stood up and <laughs> sang a variety of American-based songs after I saw his inspiring standing up to Arthur Smith. And Gordon, we may have had our differences earlier about you being a limelight hog, but here I shall fully back you. No, I mean, I think the award for the ability to talk shite with such a straight face does go to Gordon. It was wonderful. <laughs> and I, 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 I wish we, if, if we are recording this, we should put that out because it was absolutely deadpan wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I love the idea of standing up to somebody by going, it me. Don't hit me. It was to me. Yeah, that that that's real manly stuff. Yeah, but so no, you're, it couldn't you're, be more. You are no, no Paul's a no. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I th- I thought it was it was beautifully eloquently put, um, and it's a very persuasive case. Um, I can see Paul actually <laughs> mentally wrestling with it now. That such was the power oh, of the honesty. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. I have to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree slightly because I actually think that Jameis Winston deserves it this week because I thought his interview in the locker room was magnificent. I thought he had all the eloquence of a good level politician that's actually capable of talking his way through his situation. I, I see that Jimmy Graham has also tweeted this evening to say, get off Winston's back. This man is the best teammate I've ever had. So that's better than Drew Brees. That's that's a lot to be said, right, from Jimmy Graham. Loves this city, this game, and embodies everything you can ask for in a leader. Was a rare situation, and we all take responsibility. Nobody thought it would get blown out of proportion. Also, Fuck the Falcons. So I think it's a really strong message from Jimmy Graham there. <laughs> and I, and I, I think he's right, actually, when he said nobody thought. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, I, and I back him fully. Nothing says respect like ignoring your head coach. And, you know, that you've got to stand up for Jameis for that. Nothing just bleeds respect like that. That, that is tremendous. It was like anyway. the end of a movie. Like it's a you know that crappy sports movie we all watched when we were young, and the players have decided to do it for themselves, and they're celebrating with Williams getting his touchdown, and it's just that I thought it was. I genuinely thought James Wilson came across very, very well. Um, Cameron, why is it when you're trying to enunciate a point, you turn it into the chill catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? You terrified me as a forty-something-year-old man, worried about my own childlike. Backside. <laughs> Ian, can I just check? When you say forty something, you do know how old you are. No, I don't. It's not just. It's just a, a rough I've, idea. I've, give, I've given up. <laughs> given up. Counting. Anyway, no with with three votes, Dennis Allen, you are our Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. Yay! <laughs> it is a democracy, right? Oh, um... well, I, I, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, not a way way honourable mention for Belter of the Week, uh, Jason. Jason Light, Jason Lick, the um, Buccaneer Lick. general manager. Lick. Yep. 
he tweeted out a video uh, from Cameron Jordan in the preseason or at the Pro Bowl last year, I think it was, after the end of Brady's career, uh, and was talking about the NFC South. And he said something along the lines of, oh, the Bucks are going to be back to being the Bucks now. And the general manager of the Bucks tweeted out that video last night after the game, after the games, and said the Bucks are back to being the Bucks, which I thought was quite good banter. <laughs> okay, team of the week. Uh, who goes in at quarterback? Jordan Love. Is it Jordan? It's Jordan Love or Jared Goff. Neither played against particularly good defenses. I, I thought I thought Jordan Love made some phenomenal throws, especially the one, the Bo Melton one that got overturned. I think correctly because the ball moved just a little bit. Like it's in between three defenders. It's a phenomenal throw. He had, he, do you know what? He is making some very very good throws. Um, fine. Anyone object to Jordan Love? Uh, no, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed watching that game so much. I fell asleep during the first quarter, never to awake again. Uh, but everybody tells me... What, have you died? Yeah. Have so you I mean, died? Yes. Is yeah. this, are you speaking <laughs> us from the other side? I, <laughs> I have an objection. And my okay. objection is is born out of... Um, Hatiness? No. <laughs> I, feel it's, I feel it's altruism. Whenever, again, we're going to mention the name of Nick Mullins, potentially... So of the week. I agree, but he had two interceptions in there as well against the Lions, who are not a particularly good secondary. Yeah, um, but Love had a fumble. And I guess, oh, he did have a fumble. Yeah, that's against Chicago. Char- Charles always tells us that Chicago are like the worst team the NFL has ever seen. Is it really that impressive that he played well against them? I think Nick Mullins was shite this week. <laughs> but it's the best shite he's ever been. He had some I, good I, games for San Francisco. He like, yeah. um, I think we're we're overlooking Dennis Allen. He didn't throw a bad pass the whole game, you know. So, given given you know that he he could be in the argument for that. So Jordan Love, in spite of your fumble, uh, you're going in as our quarterback this week. Offensive line that he's playing behind. Whoever, whoever's got least amount of injuries left. It's... It, the the Packers only allowed him to get sacked or hit once, I think. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, again, the Bears aren't great on defense. Yeah, the Lions, <laughs> the, um, Goff was only sacked once as well. I like the Lions offensive line. Panay Sewell has had a really, really good season at right tackle. And they were impressive again at running back. So uh, the running game in Green Bay's kind of not really there at the moment so uh the lions line let's go with that who running back though so obviously it's who's got the shapeliest ankles so who does have the shapeliest ankles it's not derek henry his ankles are huge it's uh, this is a surprise because he's not that tall but it's actually Brees hall how shapely are they i would what do you look for in an ankle well, Paul's a resident foot fetishist. Paul, what do you look for in an ankle? Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> no. For, for those who are unable to see, I've just uh, flashed my feet because I don't have any socks for, on at the moment. For those, for those unable to see or hear, uh, there was no denial from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you've, if you've got it. Um... <laughs> Some of the best ankles on this podcast are in this room, I'll tell you. 
Well, based on his ankles and the fact that he did it all in the snow, Brees Hall, you going out as a running back, to be fair, 178 yards, though. He did carry the ball 37 times. That's basically every snap they played. Right. Um, tight end. It was not a great week for tight ends. I don't think it's been a very good season for tight ends, to be honest. Well, and- did the Bills not use their tight ends a couple of times to use them quite well? Yes, Kincaid, I think, led uh, tight ends and yards by one. Uh, the other candidate, the Chargers guy, Donald Parham Jr., he had one less yard, and Evan Ingram yeah. had five less yards but a touchdown. Evan Ingram actually played quite well in that. Hang, hang on, though. Hang on. On the same logic of, like, how often are you going to get the opportunity to get it's It's week 18. Yep. And... Will Disley had three catches for 46 yards, 15.3 yards per catch, which is more than Kincaid, averaged more yards per catch than Kincaid, and had a touchdown. When have we ever and when will we ever get the opportunity to make Will Disley the tight end of the week? A a, a pitying sympathy vote for a Seahawk. Sign me up! Disley's (laughs) in the team! There was one thing I've been really bizarre from the, the Bills-Dolphins um, game when they were talking about Dalton Kincaid. They were saying how he played like his first year of high school. He played football, didn't like it because they kept hitting him, so he decided to play flag football for two years. And then he was actually able to come back and play another season of uh, football at high school, and he got, he got taken in by a college. I go, well, that's like saying... I played in the first year. I played for my school team. Then I played five asides for a bit, and then I came back and played for my school team. Nobody would be that surprised that you were then made it as a professional footballer. It's not as if you went away and you did snorkeling for two years, and people were oh, snorkeling for two years. But now he's a professional footballer. That would be surprising. <laughs> um, you'd be really pruny after two years of snorkeling as well, right? Who are our three receivers? Nico Collins, Jefferson, uh, and Jefferson because he was back and against it, it was Mullins, but Jefferson played really well. But then who's number three? Amon so Rassen Brown. Um, uh, the Bills, the Bills guy who caught it and dragged his feet at the very end. I can't remember Trent, his name. Trent, uh, Trenton Sherfield, Trent Sherfield. I think it's Trenton Sherfield. He he had a great game for the Bills. He caught a lot of balls, and that was a great play at the very end. So. B.J. Robinson, I think. I mean, the fact that you could play B.J. Robinson as a wide receiver in this one because he had more receiving Mm. yards, we do like to mix it up a bit. It was a great run. Paul, are you confusing Sherfield for his touchdown, which was him, and his lots of catches for Khalil Shakir? Because he had 105 yards for the Bills, whereas Sherfield had three catches for 24. But a very nice touchdown. It was a nice touchdown, but I think... I might be getting slightly confused, but I'm sure a couple of certainly one of the other two was a really crucial one for them. I just thought, you, you know, I, I love watching the athleticism to be able to react to that ball being tipped to catch it was was good enough, but to actually the the feet the footwork was brilliant. Should, should we should we do it as a pity vote, seeing as the our two Bills fans in the Patreon group are really upset that Lamar Jackson's going to win MVP over. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, sorry, you're, sorry, your quarterback's not a two-time MVP and pretty much guaranteed to be a Hall of Fame quarterback now at this point in his career. But here you go, your 
wide receiver who had a nice catch in 24 yards is in the Stromash team of the week in week 18. <laughs> I, I think we should. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd sign it, me up for that it, as well. It probably triggers a $20,000 um, <laughs> thing in his contract. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I think I think we've got to we've got to be real and we'll create a special place in our team of the week this week for Gordon because with the Ravens having nothing to play for, he has just produced the best shithousery, I think, consistently over the weekend that we have witnessed all season. He has gone for everybody um, and landed a lot of punches. So I think we've got to make room for Gordon somewhere. I also, I promise you, once we get through this weekend, I will proceed to be absolutely shite in it for an entire On a spirited and gently note, I would say you need to add in uh, the New York Giants cornerback or safety was it Xavier McKinney yeah one of his interceptions which was like better than any wide receivers produced this season yep very good interception he's had a really good season actually for a guy who uh, hadn't really lived up to his hype as a early second round pick I think he's had a really good year probably probably not enough to get paid by the Giants probably he also, play, he also plays a position that you don't like at safety you're either going to get paid big time or you're going to get like a five million dollar a year contract yeah yeah a lot of people put it in the same as when Landon Collins got to the end of his rookie deal and they went yeah he's good but sorry you're not getting paid here we have been prattling on about 18 for long enough let's very quickly turn our attention to the weekend uh up first we've got Texans Browns as wild card weekend is upon us this uh, for me one of the most exciting games uh, when it comes to pure head-to-head, because genuinely don't know who's going to win this one. This could either team could come out of this as the victors. Yeah, <laughs> that's the game. That's, that's pinpoint analysis there, Cameron. <laughs> I'm a team to win. It's, it's true. I don't think I'll be saying the same about some of the other games I, that we're going to come to. Well, so that's. I think there's only two games this week that I would be very confident betting like a hundred pounds on. The on the result, I think um, the other four games are really tough to call, and this is the one two. The two teams being, <laughs> I mean, the Steelers are going to lose by double yeah. digits. The Bills, the Bills. and and the, the as bad as the Eagles have been for a while, they're going to steamroll the Bucks. The, the Bucks got nine points against Carolina. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a good game unsure who comes out on top of this obviously the Browns rested a whole bunch of people the Texans are a little bit banged up might come back to haunt them but I think this is a really good game looking forward to it on Saturday night I was talking to a couple of people at work earlier and so I if you're looking at uh, the quarterback receiver and tight end trio the Browns have Flacco Amari Cooper and David Njoku the Texans have Stroud Collins and Dalton Schultz at tight end and I think Njoku's better than Schultz I think Collins and Cooper's a wash but I think Stroud's better than Flacco so as long as he can avoid the lights being too bright as a rookie then I think I, I think the Texans will just have enough to get past the Browns that Browns defense is good though right that's yes. a much better defense than the Texans is and, and the Texans will, defense is okay but and they will get a ton of pressure on him yeah, so it'll be it'll be tough, but fine. Uh, up next after that, we've got Chiefs Dolphins. 
which is obviously now a game of two teams that are just not playing that well. Should be doing better. Wouldn't be surprised if they went on a run and made it to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't be surprised if they get papped out in the first game. Well, and the Dolphins healthier. When I looked at it, I was like, instinctively, I thought Dolphins, great opportunity here, but like, what men are they actually going to have on the field? And I think if they're even just a couple of their star guys down, the Chiefs will have too much for them. I think I think everyone, obviously Jamie's not because he's just picked them to win, but I, I think we're probably all sleeping on the Chiefs a little bit too much. Like it, it kind of feels like we're not really talking about them at all. We're talking about the Ravens, the 49ers, the Bills, the Cowboys, Patrick Mahomes. Like it's not been a good season for them, but Mahomes has still been pretty damn good. Uh, Rasheed Rice, I think, has kind of came on enough in the second half of the year that if Kelsey can be... Because Kelsey's at the end of his career now. I think everyone, all the Taylor uh, Swift hype nonsense is not an actual curse against him. Like, he's 34. He's an old tight end, so he's kind of towards the end of his career. But he's still going to be good enough. I think them resting him probably helps uh, for the playoffs. I think you make a good point in the fact that I think the Chiefs have just been waiting for this. They've just been waiting for playoff football. Um, I think it's hard to, you know, to to continue to be as ruthless in the regular season when you're used to winning the big games. I think the Chiefs are dangerous. I think that's why it was important for the Bills to get the win. Um, because I think the Dolphins, whoever was going in there, I actually think the Bills would have had a better chance of beating the Chiefs if it had worked out that way. Um but no, I I take the Chiefs in that one fairly comfortably. I think the Dolphins fascinate me just because they, for a team that the Ravens just absolutely destroyed a week ago, they do really still worry me just because they have the offense that can put up a lot of points quickly. Um, so it's one of those games where, as long as Tyreek Hill's playing and maybe they get Jalen Waddle back as well, even if they're down by a couple of touchdowns at the start of the fourth quarter, I don't think they're out of the game. So assuming that the, the Chiefs do win that one, right? Um, the Bills will beat the Steelers. I guarantee it, right? It's it's a sure thing. It has to be. But <laughs> Oh, no. Of oh, the yeah. remaining teams, Gordon, the Texans, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Steelers... Who would you like to face least? Who's going to make you the most hang, nervous? Hang on, hang on. You've just guaranteed the Steelers are going to lose the Bills and then put the Steelers in the next round. Oh, so good point. So forget that. And we'll also eliminate the Dolphins. So fine. It's the Texans or the Browns. Which one of the Texans or the Browns is it that you would least like to face? Uh, the Browns, not really for the Flacco thing, though, more just it's a divisional opponent, so they know you more. They've seen the Ravens' offense twice already this year, stuff like that. It's tough. But playing divisional opponents is always tough. But this is the... I, I, I think Johnny in particular is like desperate for the Ravens to lose their first playoff game uh, because he thinks it's going to like ruin my, ruin my season, ruin my life a little bit. I, I have said since, what, week eight... There are good teams in the AFC that aren't winning a playoff game this year because it's just there's there's five five teams in that conference could make the Super Bowl and I wouldn't be surprised. Dolphins because they're um, you know good enough to score, score points quickly. The Ravens because they're number one seed. The Chiefs, the Bills, and I'm now at four. Who's the fifth? Uh, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bills. Who's the other? Uh, maybe it's four. Who am I missing? I don't think. Oh yeah, the 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 um. No, I am four. The Browns, the Texans, and the Steelers aren't 
And the Dolphins. What are you talking about? No, the, you Brown, the Browns, the Texans, and the Steelers are the three teams I don't think can win the Super Bowl. Can go right, okay, fine. The FC. So I, I was I was lost there. I was just thinking about how Johnny, <laughs> in, Johnny in particular is a great name for a lead singer of a band. I was going to say I was I was lost there as well. Clearly, I, I wondered I wondered if you were going for the Jaguars when they were actually playing half decent football, but of course didn't make the playoffs. Nope. Bills Steelers. We've touched on this a sh- pretty much a sure thing. I think even the fact that TJ Watt is done means that I just don't see how the Steelers could possibly do it. I- one one caveat. Yeah, the weather is apparently supposed to be shit. Right, but does um, that not also suit the the? If you think about it, what Josh Allen does. is and it, the size of Cook, hundred percent, hundred percent does. But the only way the Steelers have a chance in that game is if it's a run heavy game on both sides of the ball, right. because they can run the ball. If yeah. they if there's if it's a balanced game, they just don't have the passing attack to remotely keep up with the Bills. If the weather's rubbish, you get a couple of fluky turnovers somewhere along the way, and you know we talked about Josh Allen being capable of doing that then the Steelers might find a way to be in the game late. But I, I I would not I would not bet a single pence on the Steelers winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um I completely agree. Uh up next after that then we've got the the uh, Cowboys and the Packers. That an interesting one. Charles not here, so someone needs to big up the oh sorry, he would be poo-pooing their chances, I would imagine. Um, on this well, one, but as a, as a resident toilet hog, Cameron, I think you're the best person to do <laughs> anything on this podcast. <laughs> it is the reason why we kicked off late tonight. Um, the I, I think the Packers could upset them. I genuinely think they could. I think that they've got nothing to lose here. They've they've won a watch already, and I think they can go into this. They can go into Dallas and go. Do you know what? Let's sling it about. Let's sling it about, and let's try and expose those cornerbacks. Um, Bland got another interception, but I don't know that they'll worry about targeting them. I think that I think they'll go in and, and throw it around. They've got a point to prove against their old head coach. So I think it's a fascinating game. I do think the Cowboys will win it by seven plus, but I don't. I'm still fascinated by it. I think it'll be a really good game. I think the Packers win this. Ooh. I think so. It's an interesting game because I think the Cowboys the Cowboys haven't really beaten many good teams this year. So are the Packers going to be classed as a good team that makes them difficult to beat? I I just think there's something about the way that Jordan loves playing right now. Um, and I think that the Packers force a couple of mistakes from Dak Prescott. And I think Jordan Love has a has a magical first playoff game in the Packers win. I don't quite see it like that. I think the Cowboys are their own worst enemies. I think there'd be pressure on the Cowboys because there's expectation, as there always is, as America's team and all that sort of stuff. I think they'll have too much for Green Bay, but I think a mixture of what you've said from Cameron's point of view, I think they should come out with a really positive game plan. Um, and they do have somebody in Jordan Love who's shown over the last few weeks he is capable. So I think it's it's a question of mindset. If they want to give this a go and give it a real go, I don't think they'd win a, a battle. I think they'd have to really have a go at, at the Cowboys. If they're going to be timid, they'll get beat. The key's, the key's going to be how the Packers and uh, effectively Jordan Love can identify where Maker Parsons is, where he's coming from, 
And do they have a scheme in place to block him? And if they can remove him from the equation, then they stand a good chance in offense. And in defense, they need to find a way to bracket CD Lamb. I don't think they can cover him one on one. They're going to need some sort of safety help over the top. And it opens up other players. But CD Lamb is the offense for the Cowboys. He's just the primary read for Dak Prescott and everything. I think it just comes down to those two simple principles. Up next, then, we've got the Rams and the Lions. Matt Stafford versus Jared Goff, the, the, the trade off wildcard game. I quite like the Rams for this one. I think I, know, I like the Rams as well for this one as well. I know a few weeks ago with some Rams fans kind of talking them up and we were like, well, we need to wait and see, we need to wait and see. We waited and we've seen and it's pretty impressive. Um, and I think particularly with the, with the way they're going through the air, um, that's not going to be uh, something the Lions are going to enjoy. Mm. Um, and they find it very, very hard to to stop Stafford. I had a conversation with someone today who said that the Lions should play a ten minute uh, Matthew Stafford like highlights in Detroit, but yeah. with like nice slow sad music. You know, like. Play that kind of like retire- retirement style video of like thanks for the memories, like a big thank you video to Matthew Stafford before the game, so that he feels bad. Because I <laughs> see if you see if you look at Matthew Stafford, good quarterback, like good to great quarterback in the NFL that probably never quite reached that kind of Hall of Fame level. He looks like a guy who, and as someone who is a bit of a rom com fan, I, I feel like I can spot these spot these guys out there. He looks like a guy that has a wee weep to rom com now and again. I think you just <laughs> I think you just play on his emotions in this game and he doesn't want the Lions to lose. I I, I think he considers himself a lion more than he considers himself a, a ram. And I think he actually secretly wants the Rams to lose this game to the Lions because the Lions haven't won a playoff game since whenever. Just Gordon, play, playing those emotions. God, I've explained this to you so many times. <laughs> Saving Ryan's Privates, the parody erotic film, is not a rom-com. <laughs> it is just pornography. Is that, is that the one that um, Val Venus won an uh, uh, Oscar for? Hello, ladies. <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea that Gordon promotes here, but, you know, why don't they just play during the game on the Jumbotron rather than show highlights of the place, just show love actually with the hope of distracting Matthew Stafford at the key moments as the big scenes happen. And, you know, it might work that way. I think of all the all the teams that could win on the road, I think the Rams are the, the most obvious choice, I think, to win on the road. This is a big test for Dan Campbell to see if he can, you know, settle it down uh, and get the Lions to play a bit more disciplined, perhaps, in in how they they need to approach this game and keep sort of golf calm, because I think if anybody's going to get overexcited by this game, it's Jared Goff as opposed to Matthew Stafford. Or or take take a leaf out of the Giants' playbook and play a Lions game from ten years ago in the jumbotron. <laughs> Matthew Stafford's playing in that game he's dropping back to pass and he's looking up on the screen and he sees himself in a Lions jersey it's going to feel like a fever dream he's going to get sacked because he's not going to know what to do with the ball I've like cardboard's <laughs> Megatron's popping up all over the place <laughs> I was watching the, the Lions game at the weekend and one thing that I 
that kind of jumped out at me was Aiden Hutchinson is such an elite defensive player, such an elite defensive player. What were the Jaguars thinking, passing them, taking imagine, him? Imagine having the first pick and going, yeah, nah, no him. They did, they did the family, <laughs> they did the Family Guy mystery box thing, right? So it's like you've got two defensive ends. Here's an elite pass rusher. He's also very good against the run. You could have him at number one overall. Okay, what's option two? Well, you could have this. It's a mystery box. He's also a defensive end. He's a bit faster. He could be absolutely shit. Okay, but what if he's good? Well, he'll be a very good pass rusher and probably not as good a run defender as the other guy. Okay, we'll take the mystery box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jacksonville, thank you for all you do for us. Uh, final game then is the Eagles-Buccaneers. Paul, you said that you think the Rams are the most obvious road victory. I think it's the Eagles. I think it's like even bad. They've got so much more and, and, and are so capable. I just think that the Bucks are going to have a rough a rough one on Monday Night Football. I, I, I guess I don't really trust the Eagles at the moment just with the way that they're playing. Um, and... <laughs> Home advantage for the Bucks. Baker Mayfield's done all right. I mean, they're not a good team. I mean, don't get me wrong, they are not a good team. Um, but the Eagles have proven over the last few weeks they're not a good team either. Now, if any team should win, it is the Eagles. But no, I just there's there's something about the Rams that I think have possibly, I think they might, just might have it over the Lions. The Eagles should win, but if I had to choose between them, I'd be back in the Rams first. Fine, there we go. Um, that is our wild card preview. In fact, Ian, well, you looked as though you you looked as though you just zoned out. I'll be honest. So, no, it's, it's Paul's very therapeutic when he speaks. It's like a a, a form of kind of tantric medication. Uh, he's just got such dulcet. I'm, tones. I'm actually also slightly distracted here because I've noticed because it's come up on my post and I didn't see this. Obviously, the very sad news that Franz Beckenbauer passed away today, and the BBC announced it by talking about the fact that Beckenbauer said that 1966 was the toughest game of his life. It's like way to make it about you, yeah, absolute bellends. <laughs> Cam- sorry, think- Paul. Cameron, sorry, I think you'll find that over 50 percent of our listeners are actually from England. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> So if you're listening to this in England, get onto the BBC. content that they tune in for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I th- it's also fair to point out that G- the great GPR Williams has passed away as well. And obviously, as we all know, proud Welshman who wished he'd played for England. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, Ian, yes. the Eagles. Uh, I think this is a, a, a game of uh, who wants it the least, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um the, the Eagles fans, even though the Eagles are in the playoffs and are about to take on a wildcard game, there's there's some Eagles fans that want the head coach fired. Um, they've got a quarterback with a dislocated middle finger in his thrown hand, which is not an easy proposition by any stretch of the imagination. Your star wide receiver who has lost a leg, um, he, he, he won't be able to play. Um, Devon Smith was injured as well he wasn't playing at the weekend the, the only way I think that feasibly the Eagles can win this game is by running it about 50 to 60 times um, and the uh, Buccaneers have got a very good chance of putting what was uh, a team that looked like they were going to be the number one seed out of the playoffs 
true. It's, it's, they're all interesting games. Look forward to all. Anyway, any other news items that have hit while we've been recording before we close this one off? All the speculation, there was eulogies, effectively, saying that Belichick was going to be stepping down as Patriots head coach. Everybody said it was effectively his last game, but he comes out and said, no, I want to keep going. But Mike Vrabel, who's currently the head coach of another NFL team in the Tennessee Titans, came out and said, I want to be the Patriots coach. <laughs> well, he's still under contract to another team, which probably won't uh, endear himself to Tennessee front office by doing that. But uh, Belichick's still in his job and he's not been canned yet so that's a bit of a kind of odd situation there Uh, Agree, I think that's almost reverse tampering by Vrabel when the Patriots aren't trying to get him to be their head coach, he's trying to be their head coach Uh, Arthur Blank asked if it was a mistake to not go after Lamar Jackson, said he didn't think so because they didn't have the cap space and they thought they had the answer in Desmond Ritter, he had 60 million in cap room and could have easily created another 20 to 30 million the amount of teams, and it's like Atlanta, Carolina, there's other teams this offseason who could have gone and tried to sign Lamar Jackson. Now, yes, the Ravens could have matched the offer, but ultimately you could have given him a contract that was so much in year one that the Ravens couldn't have matched it. And they're now somehow doing mental gymnastics as he goes on to win his second MVP. And that's why these coaches are out of jobs this year. Yep. Just to point, just to point out, uh, um, mental gymnastics is a phrase that uh, Paul famously used when he was commentating on the Olympics. The last thing that we need to do before we wrap up then is announce the outcome of our Loch Lomond Stramash Pick'em contest and crown a king or queen, pick king or queen of Scotland. So. We, I'm not going to go too deep into this one, but we'll do tied third with 178 correct uh, is Mr. Zonk's picks and Seattle Arabs. Uh, second with 180 correct is Pearson's Steelers. And the winner with 184 correct picks. That is four more than the person in second place. Uh, congratulations to Daniel Jones's locker, uh, which I think is Doogie Kloss, who is the new pick king of Scotland. Uh, you win a bottle of Loch Lomond Stramash whiskey, two tumblers, an NFL jersey of your choosing, and you get access to our fantasy league next year, where you get to play against all of us and Paul's son, Adam. Um <laughs> It's all about the coaching. Yeah, just to remind if anybody missed last week, I won again. Thank you. Also, what what's going to happen first? The draft of that league, or I'm receiving the bottle of Stramash and the two tumblers. Yeah, I'm getting on top of my admin. I'm almost there. Like I've had to. You've been saying that since week nine. So, guys, I'm getting on top of my admin. I'm getting on top. I need to figure out. To go to New York, I've had to go to San Francisco. My admin. I, there's two winners that were written down on a sheet of paper and I've lost a sheet of paper so I need to go back and listen to two of our old episodes and get the names of those winners so that I can get out to everybody it'll be happening in the next week you'll have an email from me if you've won I'll be asking for your details so we can send you this bottle of whiskey we do need to mention though amongst the pod team the person who finished top congratulations to Charles Patterson who finished with 172 correct picks uh, finished 24th overall in the, the entire league um, me and Paul were a ways behind that I finished on 163 uh, Paul you were above me on 166 
Um, however, so I, so we I was less of a ways behind. 57th. You were you were less of a ways behind, <laughs> um, but still a ways behind. Um, I don't know that Ian and Jamie were in the mix for this one. I can't I find you in the list. I was no. drowning in croissants at the time. Oh, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Dr- drowning in blood-soaked croissants at the time. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I can't... Oh, Gordon McGuinness, 150, correct. Well, but then I got my 12, remember. Oh, and your 12, so 162. 160. Oh, so, so you're one, only one, one behind, behind me. One behind go. me. There you go. Well, there, there you go. Pretty consistent. Right. That's the full-time whistle. We've been prattling on for far too long. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this in every single episode of Shramash. Keep sharing your input. Uh, keep an eye out for our awards and our better nominations. They will be back from next week. Enjoy your playoff football, but from Ian, from Gordon, from Cameron, from Jamie and myself, in the words of Dennis Allen, it wasn't me. Bye for now. And send us your ankle picks for Paul. Paul.